Hello, I'm Lonnie Hirsch, President and CEO of Hirsch Healthcare Consulting. Welcome to another in my podcast interview series about healthcare business topics important to healthcare practices and hospitals. Our topic today is expense reduction, and my guest today is Dalit Kulkarni, Director at Expense Reduction Analyst. Expense Reduction Analyst helps organizations put additional cash flow to work by lowering supplier costs without any compromise to quality and service. Welcome to Lee. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Lonnie. It's a pleasure. Uh, you know, all well-managed businesses work to maximize the cost efficiency of their expenses. So my first question is, why do many good companies leave a lot of cash on the table in terms of potential areas of efficient expense reduction? Good question, Lonnie. I'm sure many CEOs and CFOs were asking that question themselves. Here are a few reasons that we have found. The first reason is every supplier that they are buying these services from is for a for-profit business, which means their goal, just like many of the organizations, is in addition to making the sale, to make it at the highest possible margin. Most sales folks who are calling on these healthcare organizations are also compensated both, both on making sales, making revenue, as well as making margins. So that's the first reason. That is inherently the business that they are buying from is out to make money. Second reason is that most of the companies, including in healthcare or outside, spend most of their dollars on marketing and sales, which means they know their customers, their needs, their industries, what does it take to sell their products into, uh, that's what they are selling. That's what they are spending time, effort, and money on. As a result, most of the companies know their customers far better than they know their suppliers. And remember, your supplier, to them, you are the customer. So they know you more than you know them or their industry. That creates a mismatch between the information and that leads to a better leverage for the supplier. Part of that information, if you remember, uh, some time ago, when you went to buy a car, uh, it was very difficult to know what price to negotiate. You every time negotiated the price from MSRP, you really didn't know, oh, was that the right price as you walked out? But as soon as the invoice information was available widely, you knew what the benchmark was. So it was very critical to have is supplier pricing information that is competitive and real-time, and that's not easily available in the most of the industries. And to tell you the truth, the last and important factor is a time factor and prioritization of the time. Most of the organizations rightfully spend 80% of their time on critical aspects. You know, these are headcounts, the key raw materials, inventory, operational efficiency, strategic growth, 
uh, on and on. But these are the critical items that makes the business tick, and that's what they should be spending time. And that leaves limited time to pay attention to these overhead cost reductions. So those are some of the elements. Does that make sense to you, Lani? Yes, it's very uh, enlightening, actually. Uh, and, and as a healthcare marketing consultant myself, I'm always looking for opportunities to make marketing expenses more efficient, but those kinds of expenses are not unique to healthcare businesses. Are, are there expense buckets that are unique to healthcare practices and health systems or that healthcare organizations don't manage as well as other industries do? Interesting. So there is, if I look at healthcare industries, you can bucket them into, particularly of these overhead expenses, into two kinds of things. Some of them are common. As you said, marketing. Marketing expenses are common between healthcare industry and other industries as well. They all have marketing expenses. Similarly, Overhead expenses also are common between healthcare and non-healthcare, and that's one bucket. And those are kind of the insurance, you know, you have to have liability insurance, healthcare insurance, payroll services, office supplies. These are the kinds of things that are common. But there are some unique uh, expenses that we deal with, particularly in the healthcare industry. And those normally are around the medical supplies that they buy, pharmaceutical supplies, or if they are a dental practice, then the dental supplies. So there is some unique supplies that the healthcare industry requires. Plus some of the common uh, overhead expenses are more common in the healthcare. For example, a credit card fees. Many of the co-pays, the, the payment that is, not, that is done by the patient directly, is normally done on a credit or a debit card. And so there are lots of credit card fees that are included. Other thing that is very common is laundry and uniforms. Sanitation is important in... Uh, uh, in healthcare industry, and so they have, normally we see a fairly high expense in terms of laundering and having clean, sanitized uniforms, as well as so those are some of the common expenses we find in the healthcare world. Well, could you um, a few examples of surprises or potential misconceptions that you find when you work with a healthcare organization? You know, it's, it's interesting because many of the times the healthcare industry, you will see the administrator or the CFO who is looking at these expenses are around for the long time. And so sometimes when you have a long history you build over time certain biases or certain understanding without really testing every time whether it's true or not. It may have been true five, seven, ten years ago when you joined, but the things evolve over time, but your memory of it because you have been there so long that many times people think that what they know that they 
had known for a while is still holds true. And we find that often when we do our first report, which is called the benchmark report, the best baseline report when we are doing for the first time, what we try to do is we take all the different expenses, what they are spending in different categories and with different suppliers and kind of outline them. Many times for accounting reasons, some of the expenses are categorized into different buckets. They might be coming from the same supplier, but they are categorized into different buckets. And as a result, the visibility of the overall expense is sometimes limited. And we invariably find when we go through our baseline report that there is an aha moment. Most of the people say, I can't believe we are spending that much money. Or I, don't, I didn't know we spent that much with this supplier. So these are the kinds of things that they probably haven't spent the detailed time. And so that's one bucket of surprise. The another surprise, and this is not, again, the second one is not necessarily only limited to healthcare, but we find that commonly in the healthcare is the substantial savings sometimes we find from a supplier who has been with them for a long time. That means there was a long-term relationship. I'll give you an example of one of the large medical practice uh, that they had a payroll service for, I would say, over a decade, if not at least 15 years. So they have had a long relationship with them, and they spend fairly sizable amount with that payroll service because payroll services normally today do not only payroll and taxes, but they also do the time cards and other things. So the expense was fairly large, and we were able to save nearly 50% annually from what they were paying. The CFO was shocked. He said, that cannot be true. I've been with this company, and I know the representative for so long. They couldn't have had a 50% overcharging me for that long. But that sometimes happens. And part of the saving is due to these bundled services are very difficult to parse out. And so you are actually paying for the services you don't even use. But somebody has to be knowledgeable and carefully go through all the services and look through and say, are we actually using those services? If not, we should not put them in the bundle and we should remove it and maybe we should start paying what I would consider a la carte. So these kinds of surprises are very common uh, that we see as we go through healthcare engagements. That's very interesting. I assume that health systems have larger savings potential from expense reduction than independent practices, but isn't that the job of the CFO and the department managers to control? Why uh, would these kinds of large organizations hire outside consultants for this? Very good questions. And this is something that we should really spend some time on because many times you get the resistance from the CFO or the department manager because sometimes they feel like that is their job. 
but their job is so much more complicated. They have to run day-to-day -day business for a CFO or an administrator. They have to make sure all the cash payments are done. They have to close the books. They have to think about uh, how do you grow the business. They have to worry about banking relationship and making the, the line of credit. So there are so many things that they are doing, and they are truly the great jack of all trades. But I think what the particularly the outside consultants in the cost area bring is the industry expertise. As we talked in the beginning, why people leave money on the table, I think number one important criteria is to understand not your industry, which is what most of these people come from. They have spent all their life in healthcare industry, and they know the healthcare in and out, and they would be probably, they are the best experts there are. But are they experts, as we talked about, in credit card fees? It's a multi-billion dollar industry on its own. It has lots of nuances, and the whole industry's approach is to figure out how to make things complicated and change all the time. So not only do you have to know it once, but you have to keep up with it uh, as things change and evolve. And that is very difficult uh, to do because it requires time and expertise uh, that really is not best served by the CFO's time. That's number one. The second factor is, as I was saying before, uh, regarding the, the car analogy, is the pricing data. Because what you know is what you get charged, but nobody publishes or not, that's not easily accessible to what a, your competitors are paying around the country what similar type of businesses are paying for that type of services. And that is possible when you engage a consulting firm or a consultant who has done lots of these projects across the nation. So for example, in credit card, we probably do 80 to 100 projects a year. So we have a continuous data of what is the pricing going on, what are the kinds of industries are charging what, and so that type of competitive pricing is critical when negotiating with the supply base. And third one is that the experts, as I said, they have done 60, 80, 100 jobs uh, constantly, so they, are, they know how to get that job done well and quickly and it's a better use of time. It's like you having a plumbing problem at home. Sure, you could spend a lot of time figuring out and spending your whole weekend and a days trying to fix the plumbing leaks or you could just hire a plumber who has done this day in and out for years together and he or she comes in and fixes the leak right away. I look at the cost problem as a leak as well. So you might as well get the, the plumber to work for you rather than you figuring out the plumbing. Does that make sense, Lonnie? 
Yes, it's, uh, it's, uh, it makes total sense, and it's a really interesting analogy, too. I think uh, our listeners will be able to relate to that. Um, so that's hospitals and health systems. Um, for the independent healthcare practices, um, have you found in your experience and with your company that there is a minimum size of practice in terms of providers or employees or current revenue or expenses where it makes sense for them to engage an outside expense uh, consultant? Yes, so I have found that the revenue stream needs to be at least over $10 million for them to hire a consultant for overhead cost reductions um, for two reasons. One is it, it, it has enough potential for saving that it's a meaningful saving for the company itself, for the healthcare organization. So that also translates for a medical provider's medical or dental practices for having 15 or more providers to, to make it a meaningful, uh, meaningful uh, returns. In addition to the provider, we look at other types of healthcare organizations. We spent a fair amount of time in community health clinics. Uh, that's, they have multiple small clinics across different places, and that's, they serve normally underserved or uh, low-income communities. The other places that we have seen uh, a good results are small uh, community hospitals or rural hospitals, which uh, are sizable enough, but they don't have the the wherewithal of providence or legacy or some big systems like that. And those are another good candidates for it. The, the other healthcare-related organizations that we serve very well and could use these services are long-term care facilities and hospice centers. So there are, in addition to the providers, there are a lot of other organizations that cater to the health and uh, and we can we can help them with uh, uh, with many of these uh, types of overhead expenses. Well, when you talk about um, expense reduction or savings, uh, in your experience, how big uh, can the savings opportunity uh, be from uh, efficiently reducing the expenses for these kinds of healthcare organizations? It's interesting, and I think I'm going to give you a couple of examples. But as you know, every organization is unique, unique in their profile, unique in their uh, uh, efforts of how they have managed costs, what suppliers have done to them, and what, in, what competitive environment they are living in. But I think if I give you a couple of examples, that might illustrate the point how sizable some of these uh, uh, savings can be. So we worked with, for example, I'm going to take the first example of a senior care center because these are kinds of facilities we also uh, help a lot. Um, this is not very large uh, uh, senior care center. It's in Midwest in the St. Louis area. 
And there we focused on kind of four main categories for them. One is food, because this is the, they have a, these senior citizens have meals, three meals a day at their facility. So they have a, a, a kitchen and a fairly good size uh, cafeteria there. And we are good at doing the, the food uh, category. The other things that we did for them are pharmaceuticals and office supplies, and as I was saying, payroll and the HR system. Collectively, in, on these just four categories alone, we saved them in each of those categories between 17 to 32%. So that means they were nearly on an average getting nearly 20% cost reductions. And this is, again, once you save it one year, it continues on for multiple years. So that is, this was just an annual saving. And that resulted for them of about 130,000 annual savings, which allowed them more importantly than getting that cash was they were able to hire more people, provide much better service and higher customer satisfaction, which led them to becoming a very prominent and rated very highly senior services center, care center in St. Louis area. So would they, not only they saved cash, but they were able to put that in the right place. And that's the big advantage of it. The second example I want to give you, which was a community health association, and this is in our northwest region in Spokane. They have about, I think, 12 centers in the eastern Washington and Idaho region. And they mainly cater to Medicaid and uninsured uh, population. So the cost saving, because it's a nonprofit organization, cost saving was paramount to them because they have to raise money uh, over and above what they can build their Medicaid providers uh, to, to service this organization. We looked at medical, dental supplies, janitorial, uniform. We looked at a variety of categories. But over the three years we engaged with them, they were able to generate 640,000 positive cash flow over that three-year period. So sometimes, most of the time, the savings are roughly at least half to 1% of your revenue. And that would be the kind of metrics we would like to shoot for. Uh, and, you know, these substantial savings helps the organization, and it is really something that they can put to their own growth. Okay, I understand that. I have a process question. Uh, you know, for healthcare organizations that work with outside expense analysts like your company, how much time should the organization employees expect to have to spend in working with the outside analyst, and which of their employees might typically be involved in that kind of process? Another very good question, Lani. This is a big concern. I was a controller myself, so I know how busy these executives are. 
most of the time, every consultant walking in would say, oh, we don't need much time. We are experts. We know what to do, and we are not going to take too much of your time. But most of the consulting projects you will find that they have to learn the inner workings of the organization to really find the the operational efficiency, which is what many of the consulting world focuses on. Uh, and as a result, what happens is to gain that inner working of the organization and uh, all the, as you would call it, the dirty laundry fully, that takes a lot of staff time. Given our focus is primarily outside on the supply base, outside of the inner organization for most part, we are inherently require less time. On top of that, we are particularly staffed to do the project analysis and the project management ourselves. We did that purposely knowing that these executives are extremely busy and all they want is a, from the consultant is an expertise and good result. So we are truly structured to do that. So what does that mean for any particular project? Normally, on an average, in the first three, four months that we are going through data collection, analysis, uh, creating different options and uh, putting them for so that the client can select them, that during that whole three to four months, we normally just require between two to three hours of the staff time. And because we have experts, whenever we are on the phone, we ask very pointed questions that are the most relevant questions to know so that we can get them the best possible deal, both in terms of pricing as well as for qualitative needs. Okay. Um, I understand that. Um, <clears throat> in the case of your company, how long do these engagements require uh, in order for you to be able to make your expense reduction recommendations? Our recommendation time frame for most part is about from the beginning of the project to the recommendation is normally about three months. We sometimes take little longer for implementation. For example, if there is a complex communication project, telecommunication project, then it will require probably a few months of implementation which we handhold through the process. But to get to the recommendation is three months. Then we normally go through some time, the implementation, some cases, for example, credit card, the implementation is done within week, less than a week. Two days you can implement it after you do the selection. So somehow, sometimes the implementations are quick, sometimes are long, they're a little longer depending on the type of project. But then we don't stop there. We normally have a monitoring period where we, try, we make sure that what we have recommended is working for you. And if there are tweaks to be made during that time, whether 
That's because your needs have changed as a client or the industry dynamics have changed that has changed the, the market conditions and you could get a better deal during that time. We also deliver that to you. This is very common in credit cards, in wireless uh, cell phone plans. These things change probably every th six months to seven months, and we adjust the, the, the needs and the market requirements uh, to the best deal possible. So our engagement over is, is a long-term engagement with the, with the supplier. We want to make sure they are happy, they are getting the savings that they had, they had expected or more, and they are very happy not only in terms of saving, but also the qualitative aspect of service and quality. Okay. Um, so in terms of the deliverable of what the client receives um, you know, from your company, for example, um, what kinds of uh, reports or other um, services go into all of this? We do mainly four different uh, categories of reports or services. The first is, as we talked a while ago, baseline report. This actually quantifies the current spend pricing with the different suppliers. And then we look at that along with the pricing, we look at the quality and service requirement that the customer has. And at, during the baseline, we also kind of outline and brainstorm sometimes with the client, what is the appropriate strategy that would fit them best to get the best possible deal and kind of walk them through. This is the yardstick from which we then calculate the savings. So then that is the first report called baseline report. And normally that takes about 30 to 40 minutes. The next report is the decision time report called option report. So this is where we actually, based on the requirements we have, based on the spending we had and the current pricing we have, we come back to them with, hey, here is what your current supplier can do. Here are one or two alternatives so that they can choose. And all the alternatives we evaluate, not only in terms of pricing, but it's also on a qualitative and service basis. And it sometimes requires oh, this to implement, how easy it is to implement and how difficult it is to implement is also something that we evaluate during that options report. That allows the client to make a decision. Again, the selection of the supplier is done by the client. So even if they had the high savings from an alternative, if they really like and want to stay with their current suppliers, they are absolutely welcome to do that. The next phase is the implementation report. And as the name suggests, we make sure that the project that we are doing is implemented successfully. If it's with the existing supplier, which by the way is in our case at least two-thirds of the time, uh, the existing supplier wins the business. So 
in that case, the implementation is easy. They know the supplier, they know how it's working, it's already functional. It might require small tweaks, but that is a very fast implementation. If they are changing the suppliers, we help them with supplier selections. This is, we give them the set of questions, we let them interview, we want to make sure that not only the supplier is good, but the representative that you would be working with has the right chemistry for you. And so that is the supplier selection process they can go through. And once that's selected, then we help them through the implementation process. So that's the implementation work. And the last one, and very important one, is the monitoring. Because unless you keep looking at it and making sure that, that the supplier is, is delivering to what uh, you asked for, and it's delivering to the best that, that you're, you're getting, sometimes there is, after winning the, the deal, first two, three, four months, everybody does a good job, and then things start to slack off. We do a monthly or quarterly monitoring to make sure both pricing and the qualitative aspects are continued to be met. And we do that normally over the two-year period. By then, there is a knowledge transfer happens back to the client so they know what to look for, what to watch for, and they have seen things in action. Hmm. Okay. Uh, this may sound like um, uh, uh, an odd question, but does your company offer any sort of guarantee in terms of uh, identifying the areas for expense reduction? Yes, actually we do. It's a very good question. I probably escaped that. I should have uh, uh, thought through that in, in our all this 30-minute uh, of discussion already. In fact, we are so confident that we will find savings for our client that we are willing to work with our clients on a contingent basis. That means if we find no savings, there is no fee we will go through all the work and give them a report and that will be a good validation for the client that, that a third party, a, competitive, a competent third party has looked at it and has delivered them a clean bill of health, so to speak. And if there are any, so we take that risk and make it easy for the client to engage with us. Wow, that that seems uh, that's that's actually a little surprising to me. Is that like a common industry um, standard with companies like yours, or uh, the fact that you work on a contingency basis uh, is that uh, different than other companies in your uh, in your field? It, most of the consulting work is done on milestones or activity base, as you know. We are one of the few companies that I've ever worked for or worked with that does it fully on a contingent basis. It says, hey, if I want you to be successful, we are totally vested in your success, uh, and that's how we will get paid. Wow, that's great. 
So how would uh, healthcare organizations who might be interested in your services contact you to get more information? Yeah, there are a couple of ways. One is there is a fair amount of information available on our website, www.expensereduction.com, and I can be personally contacted. I'll be happy to answer any question anybody has at 503-781-9367 or by email D. Kulkarni, D-K-U-L-K-A-R-N-I, at expensereduction.com. Well, thank you, Dalip. Uh, our guest today has been Dalip Kulkarni, Director at Expense Reduction Analyst. This is Lonnie Hirsch inviting you to tune in again for my next podcast coming soon.